Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys. It's good to be with you that are in the room, those that are joining online, those that are new. We love it that you are here. Uh, welcome back, college students. Come on. You guys here? Yeah. ASU, GCU, we love it that you guys have joined us. Let me just tell you prophetically from the start, this is going to be the weirdest semester of your lives. But God's going to use it, he's going to redeem it, and we want to be a part of that with you, and we're here for this journey with you. We're praying for you, excited to serve with you, for you, uh, with Jesus together. So love it that you guys are here. Uh, We are in week three of a series entitled Beloved, uh, going through the book of 1 John. And let me just start this way. My uh, youngest daughter is now in kindergarten, uh, which means she's staring at a screen all day, every day. So pray for us, okay? Uh, she's in kindergarten, and, and since she was a little baby up until now, she's five years old, my extended family has always said, hey, Tim, she's your mini-me. I mean, she looks just like you. I mean, just even down to the facial expression, she just looks just like you, which I've always actively prayed against, right? Dads, come on. I, I want her to look like the mom. Uh, I want her to look like my wife, but uh, she's still amazingly beautiful. Tanavi's beautiful, sitting in the front row. She needs to know she's beautiful inside and out. So somehow that happened, but she does look like me. Like when I see her, she does look like me. And there's two things about that. One, if you just look at my five-year-old daughter, it's pretty clear she's my daughter. Okay? You don't have to look like, okay, yeah, that's, that's Pastor Tim's daughter. But the other thing about that is this, is that when she looks like me and has facial expressions like me and does all those things, it's not that she does those things or looks like me to become my daughter. It's that she does those things and looks like me because she already is my daughter. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how do we know that we belong to God? How do we know? Like, how do we know that we know God? What, what does it look like? How can you tell in your own life, in the lives of other people, what does that look like? That's where we're headed today. 1 John 2, 1 through 11 is where we're going to be. So grab a Bible, pull it up on your phone if you're at home, uh, get the kids on the couch, kind of situated, pull the Bible out and read it along with them. We're going to read a few verses and break it down if you're new. Read a few more verses and break that down as well. If you take notes... The title of our message today is Security and Community. Security and Community. 1 John 2, starting in verse 1. It says this. My little children. Now, just stopping there briefly. Remember, this is John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. He experienced Jesus up close and personal. He walked with him. He saw him die. He saw him resurrect. He saw the eternal made accessible, up close and personal, intimate knowledge of Jesus. And now John is an 80-plus-year-old grandpa, and he's sharing all his life lessons from that same Jesus, directly from Jesus. He's sharing those things with you. That's why he says, my little children, right? And so he says that. Later, he calls us liars, so he's endearing himself to us now because he's going to call you some other things later, all right? Uh, Maybe like your grandpa. I don't know how he rolls, but... My little children, John says, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So John says, hey, the goal is not to sin. If you were here last week, we talked about, hey, if you have sin, 
You confess it. You receive forgiveness. But John makes it clear. But just because you know you're going to be forgiven doesn't mean you go on a sinning spree. Right? Some of you have done that in life. So, well, it's all, it's all grace, and you cheapen that grace by going on and sinning because, well, God's going to forgive me anyway. I'll just show up at church. I'll just come to the altar once again, so I'll just sin tonight and get forgiven tomorrow. And John says, no, 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 you're missing the point. The goal is not to sin, but then he circles back, and he does this a lot, John. He circles back to say, but you are going to sin. Okay? Uh, some of you today, you, you know this. You, you have sin in your lives from last night, from the last six months of quarantine, you have some sin with your spouse that still isn't being resolved yet. You have some sin with other people, primarily on Facebook, right? Some things you said, some things you did, some things you haven't done. And all of us know, like, more than ever, I think, in, in our lifetime, because of what's going on in our culture right now, we all are very in tune with our sin. There's no distractions. There, there's no routines anymore. There, there's our sin. There's the ugliness of our heart in us. And all of us know that pride, that lust, that gossip, that greed. Maybe some of you know it from last night. Right? You're very in tune with that. And here's what I know. We all walk into church with that. Right? So as John says, hey, if any one of you sins, he's about to give us two profound truths to hang on to if you sin. He's saying if anyone sinned because he knows you, you have that sin. And we all walk in here with that sin. Like all of us, we look a little bit more spiritual than we are. Amen. Like, all of us have that. And because we have that, we're a little uncomfortable. I, I know some of you are back in church for the first time in a while. We love it that you're here. College students, you're back. It's the first time in a while. And maybe for some of you this morning was uncomfortable because you got a mask on and you're distanced and you know the pandemic's still out there and you're just, you're kind of uncomfortable. But you're not just uncomfortable for those reasons. You're uncomfortable because of the sin that exists in your heart. Like when we were singing out, like, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us, you weren't declaring that joyfully as true for your life. You were kind of singing like, he loves us, maybe he loves us. I mean, I don't know if he loves me with my sin and my junk. Like some of you, that's where you're, like, you weren't singing that out loud, but you were singing that in your heart. Amen. Like, that's why we're not singing that. For, why wouldn't you sing God, God Almighty loves you? Why would you not sing that out? Because you're not sure if you believe it's true for you. So John says, hey, if any one of you is like that, if any one of you has sin, listen to these two truths. You ready? You need to know that you have an advocate. You feel uncomfortable today because of your sin, your pride, your lust, your gossip, your greed. The conflict between you and your spouse that still exists, that hasn't been resolved, the conflict with you and that person across the aisle because they vote differently than you and you said something to them that was hurtful, all that sin, all that conflict that still exists within you today during the service, Jesus says in that moment, if any one of you sins, you have an advocate. And notice who your advocate is, who your representative is, who your, your defense lawyer is. It's Jesus Christ, very important title, the righteous. That's your advocate. Like before God the Father, completely holy and just, your advocate, listen to me, your advocate is not your good works. Your advocate is not your church attendance. Your advocate is the perfect, sinless son of God. That's your defense. And Jesus is not up there saying, well, God, but look at these people. I mean, they dress nice for church. 
They put on a mask. Like, give them some credit. Let them off easy. Like, like this is my defense. This is their case. Like, yeah, they have some bad deeds, but they also have some good deeds. And Jesus is like, yeah, maybe like a seesaw. It'll, it'll even out one day. That's not the defense. That's not, that's not the case that Jesus is making on your behalf. He's making the case of his own righteousness, his perfection before God the Father. He's saying, hey, God, I know you see their sin, but over and above that, see your sinless son. So if you're uncomfortable today because of your sin, if you're, if you're feeling condemned or dejected or devastated today, if you can't sing how he loves us because of what you did last night or in the last few months, you need to be comforted today. You need to be confident today because... <laughs> None of that is dependent upon your performance. It's solely dependent on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's your advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous, is making your defense before God. That's true for you, believer in Jesus, this morning. And because he's your advocate, because he's the righteous, sinless one before the Father, he's also, see that other big theological word, he's your propitiation. Propitiation means to satisfy wrath, to absorb wrath, that Jesus, on your behalf, he satisfied the wrath of God on the cross, and he did it for good, that all sin, past, present, and future, he died for sin once for all, Romans will tell us. He satisfied the wrath of God for all the sins that you remember and all the ones you've forgotten. For, for the ones of commission, the ones you did, and the ones of omission, the things you didn't do that you were supposed to do, that Jesus Christ is your propitiation. The sinless Son of God was punished on your behalf for your sin. Remember we said last week, one of our comforts is that God is just. We normally think, well, hey, I'm comforted because God loves me, so he'll forgive me. His wrath is satisfied on the cross, like the cross is all about love. Yeah, it is, but it was also where love and justice collided. God is just. He won't send two people to prison for the same crime. He won't punish two people for the same sin. He's already punished Jesus, the righteous one, on your behalf for that sin that you committed, for the one that's making you uncomfortable right now. He's already punished Jesus on the cross. He's just. And so he no longer holds that wrath, that condemnation over you. That should make us smile this morning. That should make us, next time we sing, we're going to get to sing. You're going to get another try at this. We're going to sing in a little bit, no guilt in life, no fear in death in Christ alone. And next time when we sing, you're going to sing that out, amen? Because you're going to know that's true for you, not because of you, but because of Jesus, your advocate, your propitiation, a new word that you learned today. This is going to make you sing later. This is going to free us up to worship Jesus. For the Christian, our security is rooted in, grounded in, not our conduct, but the character of God. Not our performance, but the personal work of Jesus Christ. That's true. If you know Jesus, John wants you to know that. If any of you sin, this is what you should know. This is what you should be confident in. This is why you should sing. Right? Now, some of you are thinking, well, Tim, that's incredible. Uh, how can I know that's true of me? Like, how can I be certain? How can I look at my life and know that's true of me? John's going to tell us in verse three. Look at the verse. He says this, and by this we know that we have come to know him. So this is how you can know this is true for you. If we keep his commandments. 
Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know, we see it again, that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, Jesus walked. So John gives us the evidence. He gives us the assurance. How do we know? We look at our lives. Are we keeping his commandments? Are we keeping his word? Are we walking in the same way that Jesus walked? Do we look like God? Just like my daughter. You look at my daughter, you see her facial expressions, you look at her, and you see, that's Pastor Tim's daughter. Is that true of your life? Does the way that you live reflect who you know? That's how you know. And notice what John doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, you need to honestly assess like um, that box you checked on Facebook like Christian or atheist or other, like honestly assess, like did you check that box? He doesn't say honestly assess like your label, like if you do, if you have a label that says Christian on a dating app. And by the way, college students, single people, just so you know, that's not the evidence you're looking for to see if somebody's a Christian. Amen? What are you looking for? Do they keep his commandments? Do they keep his word? Ladies, if you're looking for a guy, well, he says he's a Christian, but every ounce of his life is deplorable before God. He's not a Christian. You're not looking for that. You're looking for, does he have a Bible? Does he read it? Does he obey it? Does he walk like Jesus walked? That's what you're looking for. That's what you honestly assess in your own life. Not a box you check on a dating app. Come on. Please do not look for that. Look for, does he keep the commandments of God. Look in your own life. Do you keep his commandments? You're also not looking for a, an experience. Some of us, we really struggle with this. We, we, we think about maybe some of you for an application to a Christian college or something like that. You had to put like the day you met Jesus, right? Anybody have to do that before? And you're like, I don't really know the day. Like 1982, 83, it was a hard time back then. I don't, lots of things were going on. Like I remember growing up in church, we had to, uh, we sang a hymn about the day we met Jesus, and we had to stand up if it was on a Tuesday, if it was on a Wednesday. And I remember thinking, like, I can't, if it was Friday, was it mom, Saturday? <laughs> like, I just stand up the whole time, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just make sure I'm covered, you know? <laughs> and some of we, we get freaked out because we can't remember the day. John, let me just free you from this. Take a deep breath. John's not asking you for the day. He's asking you for the life. He's asking you, are you keeping his commandments? Are you, can you look at your life and not see perfection, but progress? Can you look at your faith and see fruit over time? Are you changing? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you following his word? Are you keeping his commandments? That's what you look for, not an emotional experience. So some of you who were saved when you were eight, and you're like, well, I, don't, I wasn't like crazy addicted to drugs. It was weird. Like, God didn't free me from addiction at eight. I mean, I was sinful. God saved me. And some of you, I have that story. And some of you struggle with it. I didn't have, like, put the needle down and, like, give all the money to the poor. Like, I didn't have that experience. So what do I do? You look at your life, right? You look at, are you keeping his commandments? Have you changed over time? That's the measuring stick, John says, to know that Jesus is your advocate. He's your propitiation. All of God's wrath for sin has been taken out on Jesus. How, do you, how can you be assured of that? How can you sing out? It's looking at your life. 
Does it look like your father? Does it look like his word? Are you keeping his commandments? That's what you look at. Now, I know for some of us, I'm trying to bring you some hope and some confidence. For some of you, that scares you because you are thinking about your life. And you're thinking about some sins you struggle with now that you struggled with 10 years ago. And you're thinking that lust issue, it should be gone by now, and it's not. So am I keeping his commandments? And you're thinking that pride issue, like, I still struggle with pride, Tim. I'm 38 years old. It's still hanging around in my heart. Like, I still struggle with that. How do I, am I keeping his commandments? And you start to be scared. And this is sometimes like uh, evangelists do. They roll into town and they, they open up the church and they're like, question everybody's salvation. You been there? Like maybe you don't know Jesus because of your sin. Maybe you should be further along. And if you're not obeying commandments the way I obey commandments, then maybe you're not a Christian and we start to get scared. And listen, John's not trying to scare you, but he is trying to sober you. He's trying to sober you to honestly assess, like, man, do I, just, do I just have a label of Christian? Like, when I meet somebody, I just identify that way? Do I just have a religious routine? Like, do I just pray before a meal? Do I just come to church because it's a Sunday? Did I just have an emotional experience one time in worship? Or have I put my trust in the sinless Son of God on the cross to take all the wrath of God for my sin, to, to return that wrath for, with favor? Am I putting my trust in other things, my own self? Have I put, it's meant to sober you to assess that. Listen, over the last six months, we've had some time to assess things. That's the thing you need to assess. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you put your trust in his life, death, and resurrection? This should sober you, not scare you, but sober you to honestly assess. And once you've assessed that, listen, it definitely shouldn't scare you. It should actually give you hope. Here's what I mean. All of us want to change. Like I, I don't know where you are this morning spiritually. I don't know if you know Jesus, if you know he's your advocate, know he's the propitiation for your sin. I don't know if you're confident in this, this morning or not. This is your first Sunday in church in a long time, in years. I don't know where you are, but we all want to change. I don't know if you vote liberal or conservative. I, I don't know what uh, side of the aisle you all are on politically. We all want change. We can't agree about anything in this world, amen? But I think we can agree we all want to change. I, I don't know if you hear anybody saying, like, let's just keep the pandemic rolling. Anybody? I don't know if you hear anybody saying, like, hey, let's just keep masks going. I mean, I kind of like them for my attire. I mean, I just want some different styles. Let's, let's expand this as, like, an industry. Let's just, it's so fun singing with a mask on, isn't it, guys? Let's keep it the same. Let's keep the shootings the same. Let's keep the protests going. Let's just keep it all the same. Let's keep the political and the racial divide the same. Nobody's saying that. Everybody's saying we need change. Something needs to change. Now, we may disagree with how, but we all want things to change. Personally, when, you, when your head hits the pillow at night, I, I doubt any of you are thinking like, I'm good. Yeah, 100% today. Good job, buddy. You're crushing it in your marriage, at work. Come on. Ridiculous. Friendships, interpersonally, killing it. Personal disciplines, 
all the way. Jesus, I'm good. Just take me. Jesus, come back now because I'm finished, complete. How many of you went to bed last night saying that? Okay. I didn't either. All right? We all want things to change. Here's what John says. If you belong to God, if you know Jesus Christ, things will change. Tanavi, my daughter, looks like me. She can't help it. <laughs> Even if I actively pray against that, she can't help it but look like me. Why? Because she's my daughter. If you are his, if you are God's, you will change. Things are going to change in your life. Things are going to change around you. God's going to bring change not only in you, but through you. And things in our world will change. And the injustice will change. Why? Because we have a people who belong to God, who changes people, who keep his commandments, who walk like Jesus walked, who bring the, Jesus was full of grace and truth. You and I bring that. God will change the world and he will do it through us. He will do it in us. Amen? That's the way it works. That's the way it's set up. So this shouldn't scare us, but it should sober us, but it should also give us hope. Confidence, assurance, God is changing you. He will change you, and he will change others through you. Yeah. So, how do we change? We keep his commandments. It's important we know what are those commandments. What's he talking about with commandments and changing? Look at verse 7 with me. He says this, beloved, we see that title. John's extending his title to us. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, if you notice, we get a little bit of a tongue twister from John, right? He says, it's not a new commandment, it's an old one. But at the same time, it's actually a new commandment, right? Anybody confused yet? Okay, just me. Which one is it, John? Some of you are wondering, like, how old is John? <laughs> He's a grandpa, 80 plus, like how good is his, his uh, articulation of things? Uh, John knows what he's talking about. Right, he's talking about that love. We see it in verse 8, uh, this love that's true in him, that's true in Jesus. He's talking about loving people, right? And that's an old command. John didn't make this up. It's from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, amongst other places. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment. In Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? He gives the Cliff Notes version. He says, love God, love neighbor, right? John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And so John is saying, hey, how do you know that you know God? You keep his commandments. How do you keep his commandments? You love one another, right? It's something old, but it's something new. It's fulfilled in Jesus. It's perfected in Jesus. And we are to love people how Jesus loved others. So what we can know is if you know all the commandments, if you've memorized your Bible, but you're a jerk to people, something's off. Amen? 
Like those people that you know who are seminary students or seminary professors or pastors or just Bible nerds. Like some of you are those people. Come on. And you just know all the facts about your Bible, but you're demeaning to others. You're pro-life, conservative Christian values. You got all those things down, but the way you execute your proclamation of those values is by belittling, condemning, being rude to other people. You've missed it, John says. That's not keeping the commandments of God. You're not reflecting that you know God, right? Because you're not loving other people. John doubles down on this and says you're actually still in the darkness. He actually says you're walking around in the darkness. He says it doesn't work this way. You can't hate people. You can't hate people and love God. And notice he says brother. That's one of the most important words you're going to see there. He says you can't hate your brother. Right? You see, I think one of the saddest things in our society today is not that our whole culture is ripping each other apart. Not that our politicians are, are going at each other. Not that people in the streets are, are yelling at one another. I lament those things. But what breaks my heart is Christians ripping each other apart is the church of Jesus Christ, who doesn't just share a last name, but who shares the name that is above every name. And I see them ripping each other apart. And I see us going after people who don't wear masks. What's wrong with you? Seriously, do you not love your neighbor? Put on a mask. And then I see people who do wear masks, like do you not know it's faith over fear? Come on, faith over fear. Like, are you going to live your whole life scared? And we go at each other about these things. I see people saying, if you vote this way, you are not a Christian. Really? That's how we're going to roll as Christians? Like when the the world needs the, the church of Jesus Christ to embrace the love of God and then extend it to the world more than ever, when the world needs a, a, a united church, because it's so divided, we're dividing. I, mean, I, get, I get it out there. I mean, those people, they don't have the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I lament it, but I get it in the church with people who have the Holy Spirit of God, who hate their brother and their sister in Christ. Something's off. Because if we belong to God, we will keep his commandments. And the main way we keep his commandments is by loving one another. Speaking the truth in love. And it breaks my heart to see in 2020, amidst all the chaos, and listen, I know there's chaos, and I know there's confusion, and I know we're in an election season, and I know masks, it's a tough decision, and I know all these things are there, but the church of Jesus Christ rises and falls on loving one another. Jesus is asked, hey, what's the most important commandment? He doesn't stumble over his words. It's love God, love one another. This is how the best way we can love the world is to love one another. This is how we model it to the world. It comes in us. It moves through us. We say that we're imperfect people moved by the perfect love of Jesus. This is what makes us the church of Jesus Christ. This is what makes us a child of God. That's what John is pointing us to. That's what we need in our culture in 2020. Amen? That's what we need. Not just to know that we're his, but so other people can become his. 
so our world can look at the church and see, like, how do they handle conflict? How awesome would it be if people would come to this church building and listen to a sermon like this on conflict and loving one another, even if they weren't Christians, just because, listen, just because we were doing it so well. How amazing would that be for our world right now? I wish I could say that's where we were. I wish I could say we're actively living that out. Come on in, world. Look at our lives. But I can't. And so what's John saying? Hey, we need to go back to, do we belong to God? Are we embracing the love of God for us? Then we can extend it to others. That's the call for you today. I know it's messy. I know you don't get along with everybody else. I know you don't have the same views as everybody else. I know you don't look like everybody else. I know it's messy, but here's the way it works. God's mission moves through the mess. That's the way he set it up, right? That's the way he designed it. I love this quote by Philip Yancey. He says it this way. He also has great hair, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Philip Yancey says it this way. As I look around on Sunday morning at the people populating the pews, I see the risk that God has assumed. For whatever reason, God now reveals himself in the world, not through a pillar of smoke and fire, not even through the physical body of his son in Galilee, but through the mongrel collection that comprises my local church and every other such gathering in God's name. Isn't that great? God knows you're messy, but you're also his kids. And if you love God, if you belong to God, you will love his kids. You will love one another. And God will also use his mission through your mess to help other people come to know that same love. That's the way it works. So today, if you were to honestly assess, hey, do I know that I know God? That's where you start. Look at the sequence of John. That's where you start. You don't start here. You don't start leaving the church today saying, okay, well, I guess I got to white knuckle it. I'm going to love people. I don't know if I like them, but I'm going to love them. Okay, Jesus, like, I'm going to try to smile to somebody today. Like, that's not the way you do it. No. You first, it's love embraced, then it's love extended. Because the more you realize that Jesus is your advocate, that you belong to God, he's your propitiation, that all the wrath for your sin was taken out on the sinless son of Jesus, that there's no guilt in life, there's no fear in death, the more you realize that, not only will you sing that truth, You will share that truth. When you realize you're loved, you will begin to love other people. So don't don't just immediately look to other people. You fix your eyes on Jesus and how he has loved you, and then you will begin to love one another. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that we can sing that truth today, no matter where we are that you love us. And God, I pray for some of those in the room and watching online who just take an honest assessment and they've been writing the, the religious routine and the box that they check on Facebook to say they're a Christian and if they were just to honestly assess, they're not. They've never come to a place where they put their trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And God, I pray that today would be that day that September 27th, 2020, in the midst of unprecedented times, God, they would make the most important decision of their lives to give their life to you. They would just stop listening to me, start talking to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, draw their heart to you. 
And God, I pray for the, the people in this room who would say, no, no, I, I have that, and I know I have that in my life. I have that security. But if I'm honest, I don't have this community that you speak of. I don't love other people. I'm frustrated with other people. I've been watching online church so long, I'm just like, maybe this is just better. Maybe it's just too messy with other people. And God, I pray that we would look again to you and how you have loved us. And like John said, we would walk in the way that you walked. And we would begin to show the evidence that we love you, that we belong to you by loving one another. And God, if there is, if there's conflict we need to resolve, if there's forgiveness to be had, repentance to be had, God, we wouldn't wait another moment to do that you want your love to work in us, but also through us. And God, you can do that, and you're going to change us, and you're going to change our world through the church. And, and we just ask that you do that through Phoenix Bible Church, that it starts with us, that it starts today. We pray that in the name of Jesus, our advocate, our propitiation for all of our sin. We pray that in his name. And everybody said, amen.